0: It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. Dustin��면>
1: You're listening to Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now crank it up
2: and rip the knob. Off.
1: Boy, that escalated quickly. Yes, indeed, this is philly is draft special a getting bullied production presented by PhillyisFlyer.com. you can check out the site on twitter at PhillyIsFlyer, and you can check out this show at underscore getting bullied i'm mark geno and joined as always by the man the myth the legend way down in dc mr dan silver dan how are you my friend I'm great, man. Oh, I
0: think Obeskin uh, just ran by my window shotgunning Bud Lights. It's like, quote, uh, cool. there's Oshie. I don't know. It's crazy. It's been crazy around here. I mean, all the sightings of the uh, Caps Cup guys, it makes me so jealous and hopeful that uh, maybe, you know, we can experience something like that in Philly and I can come up for a parade up there.
1: Yeah, I've never been so happy for another city or another team that I hated to win a championship, then I have been seeing how excited they all are. Ovechkin is now, uh, he has a new place in my heart for the legendary bender he's been on. So good for the Caps, congratulations to them. But we have bigger fish to fry on this episode because it's all about looking ahead to the 2018 NHL draft and what the hell the Flyers are going to do. We don't know, but we're going to talk about it anyway. And Dan, we are joined... By the mock draft expert of Phileas Flyer, Mr. Kevin Fortier. Kevin, say hello to the people.
2: Hello, people, <laughs> and thanks for uh, letting me play along with you guys. It's a real pleasure to be here.
1: Well, we're happy to have you. Now, you two are um, very immersed in what's going on, as much as one can be, as much as a fan in our position can be. You guys are, you know, have a pretty good sense of what's going on with these prospects. Kevin, you obviously put out your mock draft, which was spectacular. Dan, a little bit more, a, a, a bit of a different look at things. You kind of just went over a Flyers preview aspect of it. Also spectacular. You two gave me a lot of knowledge for guys that I've never heard or seen before. And now I feel like we can have a pretty educated conversation and tell the people a little bit about what's going on. So what I wanted to lead off with was, Dan, the first part of your article which was going over, I mean, every when the Flyers got these two first-round picks, a lot of what the fans wanted to see is them package that and most likely a prospect to jump up in the draft and take some of the higher-touted prospects. And you kind of broke down a lot of the guys uh, that are potential targets for Ron Hextall and the Flyers. So why don't you kind of go over briefly who is obviously the two names at the top are probably well without without reach, but who do you think is the most attainable if the Flyers were to make the jump up from fourteen and nineteen?
0: Yeah, so you know, after you know, before I go into the players, you know, it's important to mention that you know Ron Hextall at the postseason uh, press conference basically wanted the more. Um, honest and forthcoming answers that he had was they asked him about possibly trading up in the draft and he talked about you know he he said I would envision having a chance to move up and he added that their deep prospect pool quote-unquote narrows the scope of who they might want so he said that they could keep both picks but he, he seemed genuinely interested to me in moving up so you know I think there's the possibility and and when you when you look at what they would have to do to move up it obviously depends on how far they want to move up, but you talk about guys like you know Wayne Simmons would certainly be in play as a guy that they could move. Um it, it, depending on how far they want to move up, you know, they're gonna want guys like Travis Sanheim, Travis Konechny, uh, you know, Phil Myers, those are gonna be the guys that they're gonna to have to think about do they want to part with to potentially move up? So, so who are the guys that they could potentially move up from uh, 14 and 19 to get? So the first pick is gonna be uh, Rasmus Dalin. He's a defenseman. Potential franchise defenseman, and no one's trading up. Buffalo is going to be taking him. But second spot is the Carolina Hurricanes. They moved all the way up from 11 to two, just like the Flyers did last year. And the guy they're probably going to take is a big Russian left winger uh, named Andre Sveshnikov, and he's the guy who is kind of built out of the uh, Evgeny Malkin mold. He is a you know tremendous on the puck. Uh, Tremendous on the rush. He can beat you by going outside. He can beat you by going inside. He can set up teammates. He is probably barred on the best forward prospect in the draft, and it's unlikely the Flyers can move up that high. They probably have to to move Simmons and one of Sanheim or Myers to move up that high. Uh, The guy who's the consensus number three player overall overall in the draft is another winger, Philip Zadina, who's a Czech winger. He's a left wing. This is a little bit more interesting because the Montreal Canadiens have the third pick in the draft, and it seems like they might be leaning towards taking a center named Jesperi Katkaniemi, who's a Finnish center who some people think could go 10th or 11th, but this draft has a real lack of talented centers, and Katkaniemi is far and away the best center in the draft, and so some people are thinking Montreal wants him now. Because they're looking at taking a player who most people think should be taken a little lower, you'd think maybe they could trade down, but they're not going to get Kotkaniemi at 14. So it's it's sort of unlikely to be the Flyers trade up that high, but if they do, Philip Zadina would be the target. He's a lightning quick winger with great stick handling, sting, uh, stick handling skills, and to me, he's got the best shot in the draft when you look at the release. So he's kind of a sniper that the Flyers could really look at. There's two more wingers who are guys that are supposed to go in the top 10 who I think it's a little more realistic that the Flyers could trade up to get uh the guy that I would like to see them trade up to get if they were going to move into the top 10 is Brady Kachuk He'll, he could go fourth or fifth if that name sounds familiar he's the son of longtime NHL or Keith Kachuk who scored 500 goals and 1,000 points in his career and to me, he looks exactly like his dad. He's 6'3", 200, physically imposing. Uh, he's got underrated hockey sense. He's an underrated skater. He's a very good finisher in front of the net. You put Brady Kachuk on a line with Nolan Patrick or Morgan Frost, and he's going to score a lot of points. Um, again, though, he's the guy who could go fourth or fifth. So you're probably going to have to part with you know both 14 and 19 and and Simmons and Maybe another prospect to move up to try and get Brady and Chuck If they're going to move up for a forward, that's the guy I want. Uh, the other guy is Oliver Wallstrom, who's one of the most prolific goal scorers to ever come out of the U.S. national team development program. He scored 77 goals in 95 games this season. He He's the other guy who, along with Zadina, has Wallstrom probably has the best shot in the draft, but he doesn't get it off quietly as fast as Zadina does, but he'll score from anywhere. Some of the concerns I have about Wallstrom, though, are he's kind of known as a bit of a selfish player. Um, he's, you know, he's a prototypical goal scorer, but his skating isn't great either. So I have some concerns about how his goal scoring ability in the junior program is going to translate to the NHL. So I think some of the wingers the Flyers can get at 14 actually have more upside than Wallstrom. So I'm not a huge fan of trying to trade up for him, but if the Flyers do trade up for him, it's very telling because the Flyer scouts are phenomenal and have access to a lot more videotape and information than we do. But Kachuk would be my preferred trade-up target for the Flyers because they wouldn't have to give up as much to get him as they would for Spechikov and Zdina. Um, You know, they can also trade up and, and get a defenseman. This draft is just – really heavy in defensemen. Um, I know Kevin's got some defensemen that he really likes in this draft. You know, the guys you talk about are Dobson and Bouchard and Boquist and Quinn uh, Quinn Hughes. So there's some defensemen they could trade up for. If they're going to trade up, I'd rather see them do it for a forward like Brady Kachuk.
1: Right. And I, I, I completely agree on the uh, Brady Kachuk front. I mean, I think when I was watching some of the video on YouTube of him, he's got Just ridiculous hands. His stick handling is something that it's something to like. Just be in awe of when he controls the puck. It. I mean, I I agree with you. I I think the where the Flyers could be set up well, and this is maybe it's unlikely to happen, but you never know. But if if Svetchnikov rather drops from two to three, and they like him that much, if they want that sniper, if they want that goal scorer with his prowess, his size and all that, I think they could probably work and, and it all depends what the Flyers want to give up but we all know Montreal has defensive problems, they don't have the best prospects at, on the blue line, and the Flyers have a lot of that, so the team that I think would be most likely in in that high end they could easily work out a deal with would be probably Montreal because they have the defensive depth both on the, on the main roster and in the system to get that worked out. But I mean, most likely the one, two punch is probably going to go. However one sees it is going. So Kev, let me ask you kind of the same thing. Does, I mean, if if there were a trade up in the works for the flyers, is there a guy that stands out to you that you would rather them trade up for rather than just stay back from where they're at?
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, I I agree with pretty much everything that, that Dan said, you know, uh, there's, the top, the cream of the crop in this, this draft, you know, it was pretty much set. Um, you know, um uh, Svechnikov. You know, I don't think either of those picks is moving. You know, and then it, it gets a little bit interesting. You know, like Dan was saying, whether Montreal wants to take a center or not. Um, I would. I, I I have been a little bit more focused on the defense especially looking at potential right-handed defensemen, because this is one of the the few, you know, like top twenties where there's been so many really good right-handed defensemen. Um, you just, you just don't see that a lot, uh, in, in the drafts. And I think that's this kind of, and this kind of gets into the, the whole best player available versus needs, um, you know, ideology on, on drafting. Um, but somebody like Dobson, I think, would definitely be an easier move up. Um, he'll probably go between, you know, eight and 11. So th- that's much more doable for the Flyers with, you know, the, the pick at 14 and throwing in another prospect or, or you know, whatever they, they need to do to get that done. Uh, I'm also a big fan of, of Evan Bouchard. Um, he's, he's another, you know, he's got good size, good hands. Um, he, he definitely has the, the offensive side, you know, put up 87 points last year. Uh, he's pretty, he's pretty good on the defensive end as well. Uh, Dobson is just a, a speed demon out there. You know, he really drives the transition. Um, he, you know, he did that for, uh, his team in the juniors this year. He can quarterback the power play, um, you know he he's a very creative uh, defenseman. So uh, I've kind of been looking at that. I mean i I think that um, Wallstrom is probably going to fall a little bit. So he may you know he could potentially be a guy that you know the, the Flyers could potentially pick up and and not have to sell the, you know the whole house for. Um, you know, and then if they decide to you know. Uh, to stay pat you know we'll see that I think there's some really good wing options um, and and you know maybe one of these defensemen that I like might fall you know we, we just have to kind of see how everything starts to shake out you know
0: Mark one of my so there are a lot of really good defensemen uh, in the draft this year I agree with Kevin and a lot of them are right-handed which is kind of like what is a premium one of my issues with the Flyers potentially trading up for a defenseman is you know, all these guys who are going to go that high, um, Quinn Hughes, Dobson, Bouchard, Adam Boquist, they're all very good offensively. And as, you know, as Kevin mentioned, they're power play quarterbacks. The Flyers have a power play quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Shane Gostisbehere is, is going to be the, the power play quarterback on this team for the next five years, if not longer. Um, they go with a one, four, one defenseman, four forward, sit that on the power play if they added another defenseman to the power play it would probably be Travis Sandheim um you know Ivan Proverb obviously is the best d-man on the team but they probably don't want to give him that many minutes because he's already playing the most minutes on the team so one of my issues is if you're going to move a lot of assets to to move up and get a defenseman who one of the biggest skill sets they have is offensively on the power play you know, Dobson led the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League in power play goals, right? So one of the reasons the teams would be drafting guys like this is for the power play. But on the flyers, that's kind of going to go to waste. So you're mainly looking at what these guys can do even strength. They're all very good players and good at even strength, but you're mitigating some of their value because you don't need that power play quarterback on the flyer. So that's one of my concerns about trading up to get a defenseman obviously young defensemen have a lot of value so if you pick a noah dobson you know two years down the road you could trade and he keeps developing you can trade him for a lot probably in two years right so that's mm-hmm. there's that point of it right so if, if the flyers really love dobson and you know they think two years from now maybe they could trade him but but one of my concerns with moving up to take a defenseman is just that you know they're not going to be used on the top power play unit and that diminishes some of the value
1: Right. I think it's also probably a bit, um, I mean, not unlikely, but I, I just don't see the point in drafting a guy that with the intent, I guess, to trade him a couple of years down the line. I mean, usually when you're taking a guy, when you're drafting a guy, you're getting him to get him into your system and have him grow in your system. And I completely agree with you. I think if they're going to trade up, it's better for them to trade up for a forward, mainly a winger, because... They're set, not set, but they, they're they pretty strong down the middle as far as centermen go, uh, both on the team now and in the system. And as we all know, their their wing depth just isn't there. So if you're going to trade up, if you're Ron Hexall, you have all these assets that you've accrued over this time. If you're going to trade up to get another defenseman and pretty much a, a defenseman that is very much like the other strong high-end defenseman that you have on your team it really would it would be just kind of wasting these assets that you've gotten because they have a they have a distinct need on this team at this point and that is wing depth that is wing scoring and there are enough wingers both where they're going to be at 14 and 19 but especially at the top end of this draft that if they're going to trade up it would make so much more sense to get and you're not i guess it, it, there's two schools of thought in this you have the people that say you, that you draft for need you know what you need go out and get what you need and then you have the people that say take the high take the best available player but i think the flyers are kind of getting to the point now where if the best available player is going to keep being at a position that they are strong at and they have a lot of depth at they have to start looking at need because if they're solely intent on building this team through the draft, which we obviously know that that's where most of these players are going to come from when this team gets good and when this team starts contending, then they have to get the guys at the positions that they absolutely need. And defensemen, defense at this point is pretty much locked up. They have they have such a dearth of talent at this point that they have to start bulking up these other positions on the ice. And a trade up for a guy, like you said, they already have Goss to spare, who's going to be their quarterback on the power play. So, trading up for a guy that you're saying, oh, maybe in a couple of years we'll trade him." would just be a waste of these assets that they've spent so much time and so much energy gaining.
2: Well, the only thing I would say, um, you know, when you when you look at and, and I do take what Dan just said. I, I mean, that does make sense. But we just lost Morin for at least a year, right? Um now, Phil Myers is a guy that Dan and I both have a lot of hope for and, you know, have looked at him as potentially being a, a top pairing guy with Proby. He's the only right-handed guy in the Flyers system coming up, right? Um, you know, and, and the only guy on the roster right now is, is Judas, who may or may not even be here this this next year. So that's why I was kind of looking, you know, at, at that because— th- it, with with Myers having such an injury bug this past season um, with the Phantoms, and and then the year before that, his last year in juniors having a couple of uh, concussions, that's one concern that I have there. I certainly wouldn't be looking at trading him in a couple of years. If anything, one of the things I was thinking of was that would give you the option of packaging, you know, a, a Morin if he gets healthy, or even Hague um, for another winger and. I've been screaming to get some some dynamic wingers in the system, you know, for a while. So, I could go either way. Um, but that's just kind of what I was looking at in terms of if they do draft a defenseman, it would give them the flexibility to move maybe one of the other, you know, lefties that they already have in the system.
1: Right. I think drafting a defense if they draft a the defenseman at 14 or 19, you know, it is what it is. But I to me it's just if they were to trade up to do it, I think I would feel I wouldn't feel the best about it because they have such a glaring need at wing and there's so many good players, um, in that 14 to 19 range. And we can get into them right now. And Dan, I did, I had never heard of this guy, but when I read your piece and I got to the section where you're looking at the viable options at 14 and 19, a guy that stood out to me probably above all the other names that you brought up. Is uh, and I hope I don't butcher his name, but Grigory Denisenko. This kid, and I, I wrote down here, um, the way that he plays reminds me a lot, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do kind of a Dan thing and compare him to you know, an all-time, all-timer, but I see a lot of Pavel Datsuk in him. Just by the way he plays, the way he is an incredible skater, the way that he has, he can simultaneously skate up the ice, stop on a dime, while still looking ahead at all the players around him and making the perfect pass to the absolute right guy to set up scoring chances is incredible. He 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 sees the ice probably better than most people that he's played with to this point, and... If they could get a guy like him and develop a guy like him, he could be a, a high-end playmaker for them for years to come. And I, I I, fell in love. I'm sold on him. So if he – if they're staying, Pat, if he's there at 14, I would probably jump on him then and not even try to risk to see if he's going to be there at 19.
0: Yeah, I uh, I love Denisenko. and. You know, one of the themes for me when looking at the guys who are going to be there at 14 or 19, where there is a lot of very, very talented European centers and wingers available. And, you know, one of the things we talk about is with centers, a lot of these guys could be moved to wing, right? Like mm-hmm. the Flyers of a guy like Mikhail Vrobiev, who's a big, strong Russian center, who is he's a center, right? But you look at a lot of these guys who are centers right now, in kind of like the Morgan Frost mold that we're going to talk about. That are a little bit smaller, really good skaters, really see the ice well, and those guys can be moved to wing. So um, a lot of the guys I like at, at 14 and 19 are you know European wingers or centers that I just think have a lot more potential than some of the North American kids. And Denisenko is kind of consensus one of the best stick handlers in the draft, if not the best stick handler. He's a, a little Russian winger who plays with a chip on his shoulder. I think one of the Russian junior teams didn't bring him on board because they thought he, he was going to like hurt someone because he plays with such a mean streak, which I love. Uh, and his stick handling is off the charts. Like he does things that, that you only see guys like the guys that came into mind when I was watching highlights were, um, Artemi Panarin and mm-hmm. Alexei Kovalev, when you look at Denisenko, he's he's definitely my first or second preference. And I've seen a lot of mock drafts with him going in the top 15. So, you know, if, if the Flyers really like him, which again, we don't have any idea who the Flyers like, right? Nobody... Thought the Flyers were even looking at a guy like Morgan Frost when they moved up and took him. No one had even heard of it, really, from the Flyers fan base perspective. So we don't know who they're looking at. But if they if they like Denisenko, I almost would like to see them take him at at fourteen potentially. He's just he, you know, one thing about him that's a little bit questionable. The people who have questioned is he plays in the NHL which is kind of the Russian equivalent of the junior leagues, right? Whereas another one of the big Russian wing prospects, uh, Vitaly Kraftsov, who's another guy that I wouldn't mind the Flyers taking at 14, he played in the KHL, which is like the Russian professional league. And he had arguably the greatest playoff performance of any rookie ever in the KHL. So Kraftsov was playing like a full league above Denisenko. Um, he's just a little more physically mature than Denisenko, but you look at those guys, and and that's exactly the kind of guy that I would like the Flyers to take. Is um, a, a crafty winger who's got a ton of upside, and and that's what you know. I think Denisenko and Kraftsov kind of both are. So those are definitely two of the guys I would like to see them take. And you know, um, we talked about defensemen, and I agree. I think with what you were saying, Mark, is that if I wouldn't mind them taking a defenseman at 14 or 19, and we'll get into that when Kevin talks about his mock, because I know he's got them taking a defenseman at 14, but I think there are some defensemen who they could get at 14 and or 19 who would be a lot better, kind of like second pairing physical defensemen that wouldn't need to play on the power play and you wouldn't have to trade up to get them. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, I love the Russians. I love Denisenko. I love crafts of Either of those guys would be great.
1: Yeah, luckily, gone are the days where the Flyers steered away from the Russians, kind of that Cold War hate carried over long after that whole thing ended. But, I mean, you mentioned this, so let's just get right into it then. Kev, you have the Flyers in your mock draft, and again, everyone at home can catch that at com, as well as Dan's piece. But you had the Flyers taking Bode Wild, uh, a defenseman, a uh, defenseman, I saw him listed at uh, University of Michigan. So what What did you see in him that made you – that jumped off the page and said, this is the guy that I would want the – I would like to see them take at 14?
2: Yeah. Um, I watched the uh, – I mean I've been kind of reading up on him, um, but I also saw him play at the U18s for the U.S. Uh, and he he's got a really – really good first step he's got good speed for a guy with decent size he's Mm -hmm. 6'2 195 he's got a really really hard shot uh from the point and it's it's very accurate he gets it on net um you know almost all the time i mean he's just he's got a really super hard shot and it catches people by surprise he's he's got to work on his some of the aspects of his defensive game um some of his gap control um some of his stick work you know would definitely need to to be improved um but and that's okay uh, you know he's he's going to you know he he's going to play hockey or he's going to play college hockey for a little bit um so he'll he'll have time to to you know really kind of fine tune that part of his game um, you know, and, and like we talked about with with some of the other defensemen, you know, in, in the draft, he really um, he's really got the offensive side of, of the game. Um, you know, really down pat. He uh, he he scored uh, sixty five points in sixty one games, or I'm sorry, no, he, he scored forty one points in six, 61 games uh, in the USDP last season. So he, he he's got you know, the, he, he, he's got the shot, the speed um, he, he's actually a pretty decent passer too. Um, so from on the offensive side, I think he's, he's, he's really solid and he, you know, he, he's he got a lot of the other skills down. He needs to, like I said, he needs to tighten up the defensive game uh, a little bit. Um, but I think he would, he could be a, a solid uh, second pair type of guy like you know, like Dan was saying, he's got a, you know he's got some size to him. He he's a good hitter, uh, and he's got a little bit of a mean streak to him as well. Um, you know, and and he likes to, to get it you know slam guys into the boards and you know get in there and have you know the real puck battles uh, behind his own net. What mm-hmm. um, so good, yeah, Dan?
0: So I was just I'm just gonna play devil's advocate on on Bodie Wild. Um, and you here's the thing: you watch some highlights of him, and he looks phenomenal, mm-hmm. um, but. I want to just read a, a couple quotes from um, Grant McCagg is is one of the scouts up there who, who puts together a, uh, uh, like his, you know, his, he's got a website, recruitase.com, and they, they put together mock drafts and all that. So here's some of the quotes on Bodie Wilde um, from scouts. Uh, Unless he gets his act together, I think he'll begin to tumble once people get to know him. Said one scout who went from ranking him top 10 in January to slotting him at the end of the first round. He does not work hard in the weight room. The teams that do a lot of work on him, they're going to have a lot of character issues. He hasn't improved his game at all in the two years I've seen him. You want to see guys that keep getting better and better, like Keandre Miller. Bodie has just relied on his natural talent for so long, by the end of the year, I ran out of patience for him. Another scout said, it's not a lack of talent at all. He's got all of that. It's the work ethic, and he's not very mentally tough. He doesn't want it all that badly. Apparently, it will be interesting to see how he develops going forward. I've always had issues with his hockey sense. That's the big one for me. So, and I've read you know more and more of this kind of about Bodie Wild in the last few weeks. And and so, he, Kevin's right. He's got all the physical tools. Um, and when you watch highlights of him, he just you know it's very impressive. But the stuff that I'm reading is kind of turning me off a little bit. And so. I'm going to go in kind of a different direction, but the same direction. If they're going to take a defenseman, the guy who I'd like them to take in that spot is Keandre Miller, who also played on the U.S. national development team. He was converted from a forward to a defenseman, um, which sounds a little bit like Dustin Bufflin. Um, and he's huge. He's is uh, 6'3, he weighs 200. And he's a great skater. I mean, he was playing forward, so he's a really good skater. He's a little bit raw right now. Here's a quote about him. It's it's more as defensive as a concern than making turnovers. He chases guys down at times. It's all coachable stuff. He's a raw kid. Another guy said he plays a lot smarter game than Bodie Wild. He's almost impossible to beat one-on-one. Um, and he, so he's, he's a guy who I think that, is kind of more along the lines of what the Flyers might look to take, because I don't think they're big on taking guys that potentially have character issues. So I, I would really like to see them potentially take Keandre Miller, if they're going to take a defenseman with 14 or 19. Another one of the really interesting defensemen is a kid named Ryan Merkley, who talk about character issues, and this is probably why the Flyers are not going to take him. But he's known as having like off-the-charts character issues, but... A lot of people also think that he's the best offensive defenseman in the draft. So he's a guy that might have top five talent, but might not go until much later in the draft. So Ryan Merkley is going to be a guy that Flyers fans should watch on draft day just for some entertainment to see where he goes. Because he's one of these guys who could really drop. Um, and one more defenseman, not for the first round, but just an interesting one to talk about is Shell Samuelson. Many Flyers fans know him. He was on the Flyers for a long time. Big right. defenseman. His son, Matthias Samuelson, is supposed to be going in the second round. He's six four, which is three inches shorter than his father. Um, but he's a lot like Sam Moran, from what I've read, in that he's he's a good skater. He's obviously very big. Doesn't have a lot of offensive upside. But he's a guy that if the Flyers take two forwards in the first round, I would not be surprised if they took matthias samuelson in the second round and his dad works for the flyers right now he helps develop some of their overseas prospects so that's just kind of an interesting name to, to keep an eye on but but if they go defenseman in the first round keandre miller i think would be my my choice
2: yeah if if the flyers don't take um Bodie wild um you know and i i I think Ryan Merkley is – he's he's really fun to watch, and I've heard the same thing about him being the best offensive defenseman. But, yeah, he is kind of a nutcase. Um, I would rather just have them take a winger because they have so many left-handed defensemen in the system right now that are roughly the same age grouping that I wouldn't I – would, I don't think this, they need to take uh, – to use a, a first-round pick on – another lefty i would rather see them go after um you know uh denisenko is something you know that i've i've actually been talking about um and i have the flyers taking him at 19 uh, i'm a huge fan of his and the other guy uh vitelli kravtsov um i actually have in my mock uh him going 13th he's another one that um uh, i think is very intriguing and i would you know be extremely happy uh you know if the Flyers got a chance to to take him. Um so you know I I think that would be kind of interesting. Um uh another guy uh who Dan really pointed out to me and the more I've looked into him, the more I've liked is uh, Dominic Bach. Um, I think he he'd be uh, really intriguing, and and Dan you know talks about him uh, in, in his draft preview as well. So like you know like Dan said, there's a, there's a lot of uh, really you know intriguing wingers, uh, you know in, in in that 10 to 20 range, you know that the Flyers could try to scoop up. Um, so if they if they don't go for you know somebody like you know Bodie Wild, that gives them. That something that's a little bit different. Getting a, the, another right-handed defenseman, I'd, I'd like to see them go and uh, get get a winger, you know, that can uh, you know complement some of the, uh, the the centers that they already have in the system, you know, get you know another Travis Connectney type of guy that can really fly around out there and, and create offense all on his own.
1: Yeah, I think um, going back to Bodie Wild, um, what kind of stood out to me with him. Uh, when I, before I ever started, you know, watching video and, you know, just watching him play a little bit was when I saw his size, first and foremost, you know, that, that 6'2 frame, I think, what was he like 195, like almost 200 pounds. I, I didn't expect him to have the offensive skill that he does. Um, admittedly, before I hit play on some of the videos of him, I expected, um, I guess somewhat, I, I somewhat of a Radko Gudis type, just a guy that, you know, likes to throw his body around and stuff like that. But then I I started watching and, you know, he, I saw him, he's oftentimes, you know, in on the rush and, you know, Kevin, you're absolutely right. His shot, uh, it it seems like it's a really heavy shot and it's a wrist shot that it looks like there's just a lot of power behind it and it does have some pretty good accuracy. He just kind of lets that thing go and it finds its way to the net, and that's you know that's obviously for many reasons that's that's a great thing but i was i was just taken back by a guy at his size that has that kind of offensive skill because i f- fully expected just a stay at home defensive shutdown kind of guy that just you know gets physical but there's so much more to his game than i expected but you know even with that said i still i, I just I don't want to say I'd be mad. I, you know, it's nothing like that. If they're going to take a defenseman, you know, it's going to be what it is, and I don't expect them to take. I don't expect them to take a guy with these character problems like you're talking about. I want. I, I'd really like them to see. I'd really like them to take a winger. But another name that uh, I saw Dan brought up, and I, I guess you brought him up, as kind of a dark horse selection for them at the end of your uh, article there was the centerman. Maybe you could tell everyone a little bit more about him. Yeah, so this is the guy that
0: I actually uh, projected the Flyers taking in my mock draft. Uh, his name's Rasmus Kupari. He's a Finnish centerman. Um, he also did play a little bit of winger in the season, and he is uh, either the first or second fastest player in the draft, depending on who you go by. There's a, a kid named Liam Foody. Who is also incredibly fast. But Kupari is, I just fell in love with him when I started watching video and reading about him. He is an incredibly fast skater. And unlike Morgan Frost, like Morgan Frost is a really good skater. He's very fast. But when he's got the puck, he slows it down a little bit and makes a decision. Kind of like when you see, um, you know, a lot of guys in the NHL, they get the puck on their stick, they can slow it down. Um, Kupari doesn't slow down. He, his feet never stop moving. He blows by defenders with the puck. He can go end-to-end. End. Um, he's also gritty. He, he's a uh, heavy on the forecheck. One of the things I've read about him that uh, some people think is kind of questionable is his hockey sense. It's hard for me to, to watch highlight clips and, and figure out you know what his hockey sense is like, but you watch him make a lot of really good passes, um, really nice subtle passes and take shots when he's in a good position to shoot. And it seems to me that his he has relatively decent you know, hockey IQ. So he's a guy that he's flashed elite skill level. He's an incredible skater. The Flyers, one of the things they're lacking is really good skaters, right? I mean, Travis Konechny is probably the best skating forward on the team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Sandheim is a very good skater, and Provorov, and Ghost, but just Line speed. They don't really have anyone that can go up and back like a Michael Grabner. Um, and Rasmus Kupari is a guy that I think they could draft, convert him to wing, and, and he would just be a perfect kind of guy to play with, like Nolan Patrick. So, you know, I uh, I would love to see them take a guy like Kupari with that first pick.
1: I kind of want to get. You know, we we saw obviously something that nobody really expected to happen last year was the trade of Braden Shen Uh, obviously landed the Flyers two first round picks, but you have the people out there that only like to bring up the one first round pick and Uriel Eterra. But we all know that that's, there's more to it than just that the guy that kind of has his future up in the air this off season with the Flyers going into a contract year is obviously Wayne Simmons. Uh, Kev, I'll start with you. Do do you think that we're going to see um, a bit of? I don't know if it'll be a surprise or how you want to word it, but do you think that we could see a draft day move of a guy like Wayne Simmons either day
2: one or day two of this thing? I think it kind of depends on whether they try to really, you know, put a package together to move up and really, you know, go for a top, um, you know, top five top seven player. Um, Other than that, I'm, I was kind of thinking it might end up being more of a trade deadline sort of move. Um, I'm certainly not going to be surprised if he is moved. I think that's kind of, you know, getting to be the majority uh, view on things with him, you know, turning 30 and, you know, coming up on, on free agency. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it happens. Um, I mean, the other thing that, you know, we haven't talked about, um, you know, and Dan and I have, have kicked around for a little bit here, too, is, you know, maybe trying to put some sort of a package together and go after uh, Dougie Hamilton, you know, and that would kind of take care of that top pair right-handed defenseman, you know, who could potentially eat a lot of minutes, et cetera, you know, really help on the offensive well. Um you know, I think um, looking at, at Calgary's team, they they could they could use some help on right wing, and and you know, Wayne Simmons could certainly be somebody that could go in and help them out. Um, but you know, again, if it's not to move up for one of the you know the top picks, I, I I'm not sure it gets done on draft day. Yeah, yeah, are- you know, yeah good.
0: No, I I agree with Kevin. Um, you know, I I don't think they're going to end up trading Wayne Simmons. This summer, I just don't think it's going to happen. He's, if you look at it, his value is probably rock bottom right now, coming yeah. off of his, his worst season. I, Ron Hextall doesn't strike me as the type of general manager who's going to be trading players at their all time low value. Of course, the problem is, you know, the clock is ticking, right? He's he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of next season. He's he had off season surgery, I think, or if if he didn't, he still had went into the offseason with a number of injuries that probably preventing him from training as he would like to do this offseason. So there's no guarantees that he's going to be back to form next season, at least early on. So, you know, you you then run the risk. The longer that you go without trading him, his, his value sort of then also keeps diminishing. So this is like the most interesting situation that Ron Hextall has ever had to deal with, is this Wayne Simmons situation. Um, he... The other problem for me with Simmons is that a lot of his value comes from being on that first power play and scoring power play goals. And Nolan Patrick was great when he replaced Simmons on the power play at the end of the year. So is Patrick going to be on that first power play this year? And if so, that also reduces a lot of Simmons value. He's not going to be scoring as many goals. So there's no easy answers when it comes to Simmons. But I just Charlie O'Connor from The Athletic and and broadseat Hockey Radio made a really good point the other day, which was that last year in TSN's trade tracker at the beginning of the summer, no one really was thinking about the Flyers moving Braden Shen, but they actually mentioned Braden Shen at the beginning of the summer as a guy who could get moved, and no one really remembered it until he actually did get moved to draft. Wayne Simmons meanwhile, a lot of people like us are talking about them trading him, he wasn't on that TSN rumor tracker. So so I, I don't know I I just have a feeling that Simmons is probably not going to get moved this summer and I agree with Kevin that if he does get traded it'll be at the trade deadline so I I I don't think he's going to get moved.
2: Yeah, it's really unfortunate that you know the the only time he's he's had a quote unquote down season right and really struggled is you know at the time that the you know the Flyers would be potentially looking at trying to move him so it it, it kind of you know it really makes it more difficult.
1: Right. I mean, I guess, you know, you really never know, but you're right. I mean, coming off of those injuries, you knew something was wrong with him uh, when the season was kind of going on. There was always a speculation. Everybody was talking about it. It was like the worst kept secret going in hockey that there's obviously something wrong with Wayne Simmons. And turned out there was a lot wrong with Wayne Simmons. And now the Flyers are in a tough spot with him, I think. You know, I, I, you know, obviously, if it doesn't happen at the at the at the draft, it's probably not going to happen. You guys are right until the deadline. Uh, so, but the Flyers just have to, they're at that point. All they could really do was just hope and pray that he has a good offseason, that he rehabs uh, stronger than he was before, and that he can get back to form quickly. Because if he starts to stall going into the regular season and he's not putting up the production that we're accustomed to him putting up then the flyers are, you know, they're, it's going to be between a rock and a hard place. You know, do we offer this guy a contract? Do we extend him or do we just let him walk and risk, you know, and r- risk him picking it up somewhere else? So the, the whole Wayne Simmons saga is, is really going to be interesting moving forward, not only for the rest of the off season, but, um, but also, you know, once the regular season starts up. So, Kind of the big news that came down uh, just from an NHL as a whole standpoint was uh, a, a guy that a lot of Flyers fans want the Flyers to put a package together and go get, and that's Mike Hoffman from the Ottawa Senators. Obviously, Ottawa as a franchise is in complete shambles. They are, you know, it's like the blind leading the blind up there. And probably the worst thing that the Senators... Whatever have happened to them this off season is a dispute between two of their biggest stars and Mike Hoffman and their captain Eric Carlson. Came out yesterday that Mike Hoffman's longtime girlfriend allegedly had all season long been doing um, basically, I guess, like a smear campaign almost of uh, Eric Carlson's wife, and it was really heightened after they had their child uh, pass away when he was born, Silborn, and this the girlfriend of Hoffman even when as far as going after that, this obviously is to a level that I think nobody could even fathom that a human being would be this cruel and this sadistic to somebody that you know they're you know on in close terms with. So Kevin, I know I see you a lot on Twitter talking about Mike Hoffman. Does this whole thing with his girlfriend does this does this news coming out deter you from wanting him on the Flyers at all?
2: i would say it 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 potentially does to some extent um i don't think obviously it would be anywhere near as big of a deal you know um as the situation is you know with like you were saying with carlson um i mean she is like evil i mean she even went as far as saying something to the effect of you know it's no wonder that their child was was born dead based on like accusing yeah, she's a Carlson's wife of like being a drug addict and all this stuff that her womb couldn't possibly produce life. I mean, it was horrible. Um, I mean, but again, that's, that's not Hoffman, but obviously I don't think Ottawa is going to be able to have both of them there. I just, that's just not going to work. Um, I, I wouldn't be, you know, opposed, but I, I certainly think that the flyers have, you know, while I, but I would love to see them get you know a really a, a true second uh, line left wing guy that can you know put up twenty five or thirty goals. Um, you know, I, I think you know the the my number one dream you know would be Dougie Hamilton you know solidifying the defense. Then they need a third line center you know to shore up down the middle you know until. Frost and, you know, or whoever else comes along, you know, and, and then I would say potentially the, the second line left wing or, or maybe, you know, getting rid of Newby and, you know, going after Grubauer or somebody, you know, to really solidify in net. So while I would, you know, I would like it and this wouldn't completely turn me off on it, it's probably not one of their biggest needs.
1: Uh, Dan, what about you? Where do you stand on that front with Hoffman? I mean, first, I think it's important to say that these are still
0: kind of just allegations at this point. Right. Of course, one of the things that that has a lot of people thinking that there must be a lot of truth to it is that all these other um, wives and girlfriends of Ottawa players, past and present, have sort of come out on Twitter and and said, supported um, Eric Carlson's wife and basically said, you know, this is... You know, we knew that this was going on, and this is not a surprise. So it does seem like Mike Hoffman's girlfriend, and actually, I guess they're engaged right now. That um, she's a little nuts, and I think people underrate um, how important the the wives and girlfriends are for these hockey players and the community that they build. Like the Flyers have the you know Flyers wives fight for lives carnival, and you can see how important the relationships are between the spouses of of these hockey players. Um, And so I actually think that this is going to be a big deal. And especially a franchise like the Flyers that is, is so much built on um, camaraderie between the players and the community. I don't think that the Flyers would want to introduce someone like Mike Hoffman's fiance into the family. Um, So I, I think this drastically hurts Mike Hoffman's trade value I think that it it basically says to me that the Flyers are probably not going to go after him. I guess unless he breaks up with his fiance. Um, so I it's going to be really interesting to see what Ottawa gets for Hoffman because he before this he's probably worth a mid first round pick. Right, you could have seen the Flyers maybe trading number nineteen to Ottawa for Mike Hoffman. Now, I don't think so. I, I don't think that he's the kind of guy that that you know Ron Hextall or the kind of situation that Ron Hextel wants to introduce into his team. So it definitely, definitely impacts things. It's one of the craziest, I mean, between the Colangelo story and now this <laughs> in the last few weeks, it's like, it's insane.
1: Yeah, I, there should be like a a, a a a statement put out by just all athletes to tell their significant others to stay off of social media and all that. But I think what you touched on, Uh, is most important in terms of the Flyers is the Flyers wives charity that they have. Those women have to work so close together all year long, not only during the season, but during the off season, they, you know, they're constantly communicating, getting things together and stuff like that. And I agree. I don't see any way possible that the Flyers bring in a guy who is, you know, engaged to or married to a person that is that level of demented. Because this <laughs> this girl, she's a sick person. She is a sick, sick person. The shit that she said is just unfathomable that a person could think that in their mind and then put it out there in the most tragic of times that a couple could go through. She needs to be probably institutionalized because there's something wrong with her. And I think any team, That thinks about trading for Mike Hoffman because the chances, I think, at this point of him staying in Ottawa are slim to none. Because if anybody's staying there, it's Carlson. If they want to keep anybody up there, it's Carlson. And what I think any team is going to have to look into when it comes to Mike Hoffman is did he know? And to what extent was he involved, if at all? Because you're right, you brought up the whole Colangelo thing with the Sixers, and the big thing with hit with that was, once it started coming out that his wife had a lot to do with it, the question then was, okay, well, how much did he know? How much did he know what his wife was doing? And this is the same exact situation. How much did Mike Hoffman know about what his fiance was doing and what she was saying? Because if she's saying it in public, there's a very good chance that she was saying it in private to him and... Then you have to question his judgment of just character that she's saying these things and he's just okay with it about some horrible things that she's saying about his, not only his teammate but the captain and the face of that franchise. So you're right. I think I don't know if there's any trade value for Mike Hoffman. If they get a, if 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 at some point they do trade him, it's going to be for a lot less than they could have gotten a week ago before all this came out. This is a huge story. In the NHL offseason, because it's a guy that everyone thought was going to be moved, they thought there was a very good chance he gets moved, and now it's all up in the air. And I think, as far as him coming to the Flyers, I think it's it's a foregone conclusion that that's just not going to happen at this point, unless he, you know, puts this woman on a rocket and blasts her to the moon where nobody can hear from her again.
2: All right, you guys convinced me. I, it, yeah, it's it's a bigger story, you know, and she was also apparently. Carlson said that she had, she was using, like, multiple, multiple f- uh, fake accounts to oh to go God. after his wife as well. She wasn't just doing it under her own name.
1: I don't understand. I mean, look, in this day and age, everything comes out eventually. So I don't know why anybody tries anything. I don't know why you bother trying to just smear the name of a beloved player in the league and his wife about their child dying. It's It's horrible. It's ridiculous to me. It really is that she thought about it, typed it out, made multiple accounts, and then just kept going with it. It's it's (laughs) ridiculous. And I feel bad for him. If he didn't know about it, If he didn't know she was doing this and now his name's going to get dragged through the mud along with hers and he's going to have a hard time fitting into any locker room he goes into because he's going to have a lot of explaining to do. So, I mean, we'll see where this saga goes. We'll see how it plays out. But as far as Mike Hoffman scoring goals on Broad Street for the Flyers, I think that's that's a dead issue at this point. It's not going to happen. And he has nobody but his fiancée, girlfriend, wife, whatever the hell she is to thank for it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the big NHL news at this point. We have a you know, we have, (laughs) (laughs) we we have a little bit of time left to go with this. So Kevin, I'll kick it to you. We know kind of, uh, we'll just take it back to the draft to kind of close this thing out. We know, uh, Dan's kind of dark horse player that, you know, he has them taking in his mock draft. Um, so is there a guy that you think is not getting talked about enough as a possibility for the Flyers in the first round?
2: Yeah, there's a couple of um, there's a couple of wings, and one guy I forgot to mention because I I've just kind of concluded that he's probably not going to be available would be Joel Faraby. Um, I think he would be you know phenomenal if the Flyers were able to get him. But as far as not getting enough uh, notice, I see, um, Martin Kout is a winger who I think has a, a, a ton of potential. Um, you know, who could come in and and uh, you know really help out you know on, on right wing you know he's probably a couple years you know away from making the team he's uh he's checkch six uh, one about 175 mostly you know ranked in in the mid-teens uh, one has him at, at 22 uh, future considerations you know but he's he's got you know a, a really good good all-around game you know he may not necessarily stand out you know uh head and shoulders above some of the other guys on any particular area but I think he's just you know a good solid all-around uh player um Dominic Bach is is another one uh Dan mentioned him in uh, uh, in, in his uh draft preview he, he's another guy that has started to kind of climb up the the radar a little bit. Um, he's uh, is he Danish Dan? He's to... German. German, that's right. Um, he, he's about the same size as Kout. He's also a right winger. Um, he, he's another guy. He, he's I think would be a low risk, um, you know, potentially high reward in a couple of years down the road. I think he's got a. a he He's probably got you know more on the the high end skill level than Kaut does um but he's he's another guy that i you know there just aren't you know any real glaring weaknesses in his game um he seems to play a very smart efficient uh style of hockey um he's got really good hands um you know he he's a good skater with some decent speed. Uh, so th- I would say those are probably the two guys that, you know, probably deserve a little bit more attention than they're getting.
1: All right. I think what we've done here today is bring to light a lot of information, mainly from you two, because obviously you guys are dialed in on this stuff. So Dan, do you have any closing remarks for the, uh, for the people at home, uh, going into this draft?
0: Well, I just I want the Flyers to take some high upside guys. Like just for example, I I don't love Martin Calp that um, Kevin mentioned just because he's a guy who's very solid. He kind of reminds me of like Maxime Sushko, who the Flyers took um, in I think the fourth round last year, who was really good in the World Juniors for Belarus. He does everything really well, but he's not kind of like a standout in any one category. So if I'd like to see them take one of these guys with a high upside. Like, Joel Faraby is a guy who a lot of people want the Flyers to take. If, the, if they take him, I'll be happy with it. But I don't think he's got the upside that guys like Vitaly up or Grigory Denisenko or Dominic Bach or a guy that I didn't mention, John, Jonathan Berggren, who's a Swedish player who was just torched the, uh, the Swedish second league there with 57 points in 38 games. I really like him. Um, And Rasmus Kupari, who's the guy I talked about. Uh, I want them to take a guy who's got a lot of skill, who's a really good skater, good stick handler, high, high upside wingers who could become top, top scorers in the NHL. And I think there's some wingers that they could get at 14 and 19 that fit the bill. So I either want them to make a mega trade, get up for Svechnikov, make a somewhat smaller trade, get up for Brady Kachuk, or stay at 14 and 19 and take Kravtsov, a Denisenko, a Berggren, a Bach, or if they're going to take a defenseman, take a Keandre Miller, who's got upside and could turn into like a Dustin Bufflin. So that's kind of what I want them to do.
1: And how much time have you spent in Europe? Because you you pronounce these names extremely well for an American.
0: Well, remember that I use... (laughs) Used to be a play-by-play hockey announcer, so I uh, I made a living by having to pronounce all of these guys' names correctly.
1: So, well, good for you, excellent stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, so to close it out, Kevin, uh, since I'll I'll kick it to you first because you know you're uh you're not a a regular on here. If the uh, if the fine people out there, the fine Flyers fans, want to hear or see. Kevin Fortier's tweets about the Flyers and everything else, where would they uh, see that
2: at? My awesome tweets can be found at KS Fortier. Um, They can also read my draft at Philly is Flyer. Um, I just want to say this is probably one of my absolute favorite times of year. Um, Going into the draft, it's, it's, I mean it can go so many different ways. It's just it's just so much fun. It's so exciting. You know, I, I could be happy with so many different scenarios for the Flyers. Like Dan said, I just I hope they get some, you know, really good talented guys that, you know, can can add some some spark and and uh, creativity to, you know, they they've got a lot of really good solid 200-foot, you know, dynamic centermen. You know, if they can get some wings to compliment those guys, or or maybe get a real flashy guy that can help with the transition, because that that I'd say that's probably one of the other things that the Flyers' defense defensive speed is not huge for them. Um, you know, obviously Ghost can fly, but you know it. You know, Toby's a great skater. You know, obviously Sandheim and Myers are good skaters, but they don't have that high end speed. Um, you know, uh, and, and if they could get you know a Hughes or a Dobson or you know Bokwist or some of these other guys, uh, Ty Smith, you know, they, they, it, it's just going to be great all around. I love it all.
0: Awesome,
1: awesome. Dan, how about you? Where do the fine people find you at on the social media devices?
0: The fine people can uh, find my tweets and, and then tweet nasty things to me if they want at uh, at D Silver eighty eight. They can find my stories, including my Flyers draft. Preview at uh, just like Kevin said, at Phileas Flyer.com. One last thing I want to say all hockey fans out there need to do themselves a favor and go read Nick Boynton's story today oh, yeah. from the Players Tribune because it's a gut wrenching, heart rendering story that nick boynton put together about his career in the nhl as an enforcer and his struggles thereafter and considering the lawsuit that's currently going on right now against the nhl from a bunch of former players for basically ignoring concussion protocols uh everyone should go read that story from nick boynton because it's uh anyone who watches hockey needs to read that story so right
2: where where is that again dan
0: um at the players tribune okay so, just type in Nick Boynton, B O Y N T O N, onto Twitter and you'll find the story. It's a, it's a must read.
1: Yeah, it's, yep. it was all over the place today. It was, I think, what that story did more than anything else was because whenever you hear the problems with concussions, you only hear talk about the NFL. Because obviously the NFL is a bigger league than the NHL. But for the people out there that are you know that you get up in arms a little bit because the the you know the goon the thug in the nhl has been pretty much phased out fighting um as you know it's getting pushed aside a little bit it's not as prominent as it once was for the people that want that style of play back, just read this story because what we see on tv what we as fans see is only on the surface you know you don't and i honestly i didn't i never thought of it as deeply as nick boyton pointed out because what you hear from him is just a story of of really a tragedy what his life has become because of the way he had to play the sport he loved, because that's the way he had to play, because he didn't have the skill of a of a prolific scorer or the hands of a playmaker. He had to to do what he loved, to make a living for his family, he had to play this game a certain way, and it has crippled him mentally and emotionally, and he feels it every day. So if you for the people out there that want that style of playback, that miss it, just read this story and get a perspective of Life after that, the the life after for that player, for these guys that we loved him bash each other's face in. See where some of these guys are now. Look at the list of the names of the guys that have passed away because of these concussions and because of mental diseases that they've picked up playing hockey. And it's going to give you a whole new perspective on how you watch the sport and how you're going to think of things going forward every time you tune in for the Flyers or anything else. But as for me, on the Twitter machine, if you want to tell me how much dumber I am than my two uh, my two friends here, you can find me at, uh, at Mark Flagman, that's with two N's. And again, follow the mothership of this whole thing, because without Phileas Flyer, nobody would listen to us. Nobody would hear what we have to say. So follow them at Phileas Flyer on Twitter, check them out again at uh, com, Read Dan's piece. Read Kevin's piece. Read everybody else's piece over there because there's a lot of smart people that know a lot more than a lot of the other common fan out there so you'll learn a lot uh next week dan we're gonna do this again we're gonna get a little more in depth if we if that's even possible when it comes to the draft we'll be days away at that point obviously the draft kicks off next friday june 22nd one day before i turn 26 so hopefully the flyers give me a nice birthday present in the form of uh Mr. Uh, Denisenko. Sorry, name slipped me. But until next week, all of you fans, just keep reading, get as much knowledge as you can, and let's go Flyers.